Some of our small groups here are reading a book by Philip Yancey called What's So Amazing About Grace. I'm not going to quote from that one, but that will relate some of you to another book that he's written, The Jesus I Never Knew. In it, he shares an episode from his youth when he first, or when the understanding of incarnation first dawned on him. He kept a saltwater aquarium, which he said he learned was no easy task. He had to run a portable chemical laboratory to monitor nitrate levels and ammonia content. He pumped in vitamins and antibiotics and sulfa drugs, and he said enough enzymes to make a rock grow. He filtered the water through glass fibers and charcoal and exposed it to ultraviolet light. He put a lot of work into it. And he says, you would think, in view of all the energy expended on their behalf, that these fish would at least be grateful. (laughs) Not so. Every time his shadow loomed above the tank, they dove for cover into the nearest shell. They showed him one emotion only. Fear. Although he opened the lid and dropped in food on a regular schedule three times a day, they responded to each visit as a sure sign of his designs to torture them. He could not convince them of his true concern. To his fish, he was deity. He was too large for them, his actions too incomprehensible. His acts of mercy they saw as cruelty. His attempts at healing they viewed as destruction. To change their perceptions, he began to see, would require a form of incarnation. He would have to become a fish and speak to them in a language they could understand. Well, to us as Christians... Incarnation is God wrapped in bones, blood, fat, flesh, so that God could speak to us in a language we could understand. You know, this, the first hymn, some of you who know hymns and the old words, we say, Christ is our guide and friend, and it used to be, To us, he'll condescend. You think about that word, come down. Descend is to come down, to be with us. God condescended to walk with us and talk with us in the form of a man called Jesus. We say Jesus was God's son. And just as many of you say, my son looks like me. God's son looks like God. Incarnation reveals God. Well, it hasn't been all that long since I actually connected these words, reveal and revelation. We talk all the time about things being revealed. Some clothes reveal too much skin. With special people, we reveal our deepest thoughts and emotions A former co-worker of mine knew that it was time to get her roots dyed when her true color of her hair was starting to be revealed. (laughs) Revelation is seeing something that has been covered. 
The last book of the Bible is the revelation, the revealing of one man's vision of judgment and hope. Some military parents, when they are leaving their children for a tour of duty, will record cassettes or CDs of them telling stories to their children or telling them how much they love them. They leave something behind to remind their children of their care, their compassion, and their presence even in that absence. Well, as Wayne said, in John 14, Jesus is letting the disciples know about his departure. And he's revealing some new things to them. And he tells them about a continuing revelation. John, the gospel writer, calls it the paraclete. It's not a verb that, or a, a noun that we use too often in our vocabulary. But this, this word, paraclete, transliterated from the Greek, has multiple meanings. It's the one who exhorts or encourages, the one who comforts, the one who helps. We call it the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of our Holy God encourages us, comforts us, and points us in the right direction. Getting more and more popular is a GPS. A GPS is a global positioning system. It's a device that you can buy for your vehicle. Say you, you have one, or even on new car, newer cars. Say you have one in your car. Through microwave signals, the satellites can tell where your car is. They can judge your location, your speed, distance that you're going. So we've got these 24 satellites all around the world keeping track of all these GPS devices. You can program into your device your destination. This is what Bonnie needed when she was going to Orlando. A GPS. You program in where you're going, and it tells you, it reveals to you the turns that you need to make, letting you know when you need to get in the left lane to make a left turn, I guess. Um, The paraclete doesn't rely on orbiting temporal satellites, but on the ever-present and eternal God. This is the Holy Spirit, God's gift to us, revealing to us God's presence and love and guiding us even when we can't see God, even when we don't have a map. The last verse of our passage today is verse 21, where Jesus tells the disciples, they, let me change this, to you, you who have my commandments and keep them are you who love me, and you who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love you and reveal myself to you. As Jesus says this to his friends, Jesus is wearing a human body, which is about to be tortured and killed. 
And so he's trying to explain how he'll reveal himself when he is gone physically. Teresa of Avila is a 16th century Spanish nun, a mystic, um, very devoted to her Christ. She wrote this, Christ has no body now on earth but yours, no hands but yours, no feet but yours. Yours are the eyes through which is to look out Christ's compassion to the world. Yours are the feet with which he is to go about doing good. Yours are the hands with which he is to bless men now. Christ reveals himself through us. A woman was telling me one time about difficulties she was having shortly after her divorce. Her job paid just enough money to cover their bills. And so when a plumbing problem occurred and the bill that she received was beyond what she could pay, she was, of course, distraught. It wasn't long, though, until she went to the mailbox, and in the mailbox was a check from a friend of hers who just sent it out of the blue, and it covered within pennies that bill. Now, she saw the revelation of Christ in her friend. We've been taught that love is not a feeling as much as it is a commitment. Love is not an emotion as much as it is an action. Whether or not we feel loving, we can always express love. Christ is revealed through us and our acts of love. You've heard us talk some about the Religious Herald. A few of you have gotten this newspaper. It's the newspaper of Virginia Baptists. And last year they ran a special article by Brett Batten, who was a sophomore at James Madison University. And she talked about where, when she was a freshman and she first had been invited to the Christian Student Union. And that's a ministry that our gifts to the Virginia Baptist Mission Board supports. Well, you know how you feel when you're entering a group of people for the first time. You don't know anybody. You're you're scared. You're uncomfortable. You want to be welcomed and accepted. And this group at the Christian Student Union was a revelation of God to Brett. She said it wasn't but five minutes before at least half of the SCU had introduced themselves to me and invited me to small groups, dinners, game night, and anything else that would make me feel included. It was that warmth and intimacy that made me stick with the CSU over my first year at James Madison. She writes, there's nothing like walking into a room full of loving people and knowing them all by name. Sounds like the ideal church. Well, it was that atmosphere that also led her to invite a hallmate of hers named Lee to join 
the Christian Student Union on their spring break mission trip. They were going to Smyrna, Tennessee. Lee, the hallmate, had gotten a bad taste of Christianity during her childhood. Probably all of us could name someone like that. Brett explained to her that the best and the worst people can be found in the American church. And she wanted to show Lee the genuine body of Christ that Brett had experienced at CSU. She felt that this mission trip would be the perfect time for God to work in Lee's heart so that she could see what real unadulterated Christianity is all about. While on the trip, the students of the CSU made Lee feel welcomed, loved, and most importantly, needed. She worked alongside the others, painting houses, pulling weeds, and befriending strangers. Little did she know, writes Brett, that she was experiencing Christianity at its finest. One day they were helping a widow clean her house, and this woman asked the group about their testimonies of coming to Jesus, or coming to know Jesus. They sat around in a small circle then, and they shared their stories with her. And when she finally got around the circle to asking Lee about her testimony, Lee dropped her face into her hands and started crying. And she said, I don't have one yet. But I know that's why God brought me here. There's something you guys have that I want. Well, they all cried. And they prayed with her then as she accepted Jesus as her Savior. And Brett says that she realized at that time that she had never preached the gospel to Brett. Not using words. Excuse me, never preached that gospel to Lee using words. But that she, along with the others at the CSU, simply did what Jesus would have done. They loved her. They carried her burdens. And they needed her. They needed her fellowship. They revealed Christ. They became the revelation of Christ in their simple acts of kindness and service. Now I switched that last verse, chapter 21, to make it you instead of those who. But I think it's important for us to know, too, that, um, you know, we get confused with you being singular or plural. And so what do we say? Y'all. Y'all. So here's how Jesus might have spoken to this community of faith in Roanoke. If y'all love me, y'all will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, Daddy... And he will give y'all another advocate to be with y'all forever. Y'all know him. Because he abides with y'all. He lives with y'all. And he will be in y'all. I will not leave y'all orphaned. No Oliver Twist. No Baptist Children's Home for us. We are not orphans. God is with us. Always. 
And God can be revealed through us. In the spiritual realm, there are about 3.1 million residents in Virginia who indicated a religious affiliation in a population of about 7.5 million people two years ago. That's less than half, and that means that about 4.4 million of our neighbors have no religious affiliation. And we have the power with the Holy Spirit to shrink that number, even by one, to bring one person into the sheepfold of God, like Brett did with Lee. She showed her Christ's love. She revealed to her Christ's love. There's someone out there to whom you, and uniquely you, could reveal Christ. Who is that person? Picture them in your mind. Him, her, old, young. It might be a student at Hurt Park Elementary. They need tutors right now in math and in reading. Your presence with that child one day could make a difference in his or her life. You could reveal Christ to a person who is lonely by simply listening and being the Spirit of God to that person. You could reveal God's love by sending a check to someone you know who could use it. It might even be with just, it might be without a check, but a note of encouragement. We are Christ's body, Christ's hands, Christ's feet. We can reveal him to others. So here's my recommendation. This week, when you wake up, each morning, say this prayer. Holy God, let Christ be revealed in me today. Amen. Let's pray. We thank you, O oh God, for revealing yourself to us through the people who surround us, through people who have lived faithfully and died faithfully. We thank you for Jesus Christ, and we thank you for John, who chronicled parts of his life. Guide us, O oh God, to continue to reveal you to our neighbors in need. We pray in the name of our risen Christ. Amen.